You're listening to the No Hacks Marketing Podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into online marketing topics covering search, content, CRO, social, and performance optimization to help you level up your marketing. No hacks, no shortcuts, only long-term success. Here are your hosts, Slobodan Manich and Katherine Cambau. We're back with a new episode of No Hacks Marketing, and in this episode, we will talk about some misleading practices online, define what dark patterns are, and how we can move from dark to fair patterns. And to help enlighten us on this topic, I have with me Marie Patel-Saville, founder of Amurabi, a Paris-based legal innovation studio, which was recently awarded the most innovative privacy project of 2022 by the IAPP. She has over 15 years of Magic Circle experience at Freshfields and Allen and Overy in London, Brussels, and Paris. And also general counsel at Estée Lauder and Chanel, along with a master's degree in innovation by design, and also the founder of Fair Patterns, Marie. Bonjour, I have to say that, and welcome to the podcast. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect pronunciation. Bonjour. (laughs) Hi, everyone. I'm very happy to be here. I'm also very thrilled to have you in the podcast, and we have a lot of things to cover, so let's dive right in. Oh, before that, I wanted to ask, how's your chief happiness officer, Rita? Oh, thank you for asking. (laughs) Actually, she's not in the office today, but she was yesterday. And actually, everybody was in the office yesterday. And so Rita, for the listeners, is our chief happiness officer, but she happens to be a shepherd's dog. And she decided to switch career, you know, to (laughs) take care of the team and make sure that everybody's really happy. (laughs) So yeah, she's really fun. She loves, you know, belly rub and, and playing with all of us. (laughs) <laughs> That's wonderful. Now I really have to visit your office one day. Absolutely. I w- yeah. I watch your Women Advancing Privacy live event with Louisa, Siobhan, and the others. And one thing that caught my eye there is your slide that said, 100% of users have bad experience with privacy policy. Why do you think so? Yeah, unfortunately, we've all experienced that, right? Especially the non-lawyers among us. Yeah, well, it's it's unfortunately a combination of terrible legalese, you know, tradition, I'm afraid, combined with the idea, the very misguided idea that it's possible to just copy paste a Word document that used to live, you know, beforehand mm-hmm. on a Word and just copy and paste it on a web page. And of course, it doesn't work. It's not accessible. There's absolutely no user experience in there. It's just a stupid wall of text. And and obviously, no one reads it. And probably rightly so, because it's simply not designed to be read, hence the terrible experience. Now, it doesn't have to be this way. It's not doomed to be this way. And we might uh, talk about it a bit later on. (laughs) Right. I was just imagining like how this document... (laughs) has been passed on into many generations because that's what it really is. It's a copy paste of everything that we've seen online or someone handed it over to us. And my next question is, we kind of mentioned this, but I would love the listeners to hear your uh, thoughts about this. Do you think privacy policies and consent banners, can this be 
made so it can be understood even by eight-year-olds? Of course. Actually, it's not just that I think that it's possible. We've demonstrated that it is. Let me tell you about a number of amazing projects that we delivered, especially in the video game industry, but also with the French Data Protection Authority, the CNIL. And actually, we ran focus groups with kids. So we divided them by age groups, of course. So 8 to 10, 11 to 14, 15 to 17, for example to really understand their needs and expectations and, you know, their level of understanding of the concept of privacy itself. And very interestingly, even eight years old, uh, do fully understand the concept of privacy. They express it with their own very cute words, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a secret. I don't want the others to know. <laughs> but they fully get it, you know. And so what's really super interesting and I think really sustainable is that it is possible to translate a legalese, you know, wall of text privacy notice into a wording that resonates with them to which they can identify, you know, taking references to places or, or concepts that they're familiar with while keeping the exact same legal scope. This is really important. So we're not, you know, doing a summary, we're not testing any information in the privacy policies, we're really keeping the exact same meaning and scope, but translating them into an engaging document, but also, ideally, it's more than a document, it's a tool for all users, not just kids, by the way, <laughs> to fully own data privacy and to fully be equipped to be able to exercise their rights. Does that make sense at all? Maybe I should give an example. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think it, it really boils down to users caring about their privacy, their rights, because right now, because they can't understand any of those, the common practice is to just hit that X button and then just forget about it when in fact, there's a way to make it digestible even to, to everyone. And before we kind of dive deep into dark patterns, I would like to, I guess, maybe you can give us a bit of background of what Amurabi is and your, you know, how you came up with this kind of agency. I think it will be very helpful for our listeners. Sure. <laughs> Of course. So Amurabi is a legal innovation studio active in the legal arena. So basically, we are a team of not just lawyers, but also designers and experts in neurosciences joining forces to bridge the gap between the law and its users. As we briefly discussed at the beginning of this conversation, many legal documents, unfortunately not just privacy policies, completely lack usability. You know, it's very difficult to access, they're very difficult to understand, even if you tried reading them, which is unlikely. Um, and actually combining plain language with user centricity, so, you know, design thinking, but also human centricity. So that's why we're adding neurosciences. The combination of these methodologies really is a, an extremely cool and efficient tool to precisely transform legalities into something that resonates with users and that empowers them to not just understand, but also exercise their 
rights. So this is really what we do at Amurabi. The reason why I created the agency that was already five years ago is because I I was a private practice lawyer for 10 years and then I moved in-house and I realized how much business people really didn't have a clue. And that's yeah, true. And, and how, you know, the, the strength of law was completely lost in, in legalese and complexity and, and meaningless processes. And actually, this is not just a problem for risk management and, you know, lack of efficiency. I think that ultimately, if we stick to legal documents that are impossible to understand and extremely difficult to use, it's also a matter of democracy. And so what we're trying to achieve at Amurabi is also sustainable development and systemic impact impact so that citizens are actually equipped with with their rights and and can actually exercise them. I love it because there really is a gap and we all know it, like not even just privacy, sorry, marketing and lawyers or a DPO. It's like when someone says, you know, you have to read this legal document, it's often tied to a tedious task that no one wants to to work on. So I'm glad that there is already like yours that has spotted that there's a demand or there's a need for a bridge to have to have to have a bridge and it is possible that's the most important thing so uh, let's talk about dark patterns now i feel like every day all users are inundated with dark patterns we just don't know it have we been so conditioned that we are facing this practices on website that we no longer know that it's not good practice and we're just embracing it what do you think yeah exactly and that's terrible but that's exactly how dark patterns work we don't notice them that's the that's the main issue so perhaps we should define dark patterns so yes, you know please. in in very simple terms these are interfaces that deceive or manipulate users into and so trick them to either behave in a certain way without realizing or even make decisions against their own interests so that's that's really the you know overall definition now in the US in particular California was the first state to provide legal definition of dark patterns in privacy um and they they add the fact that the design has the substantial effect of sub subverting or impairing user autonomy, decision-making, or choice. And very interestingly, the CPRA states that consent obtained through a dark pattern is actually not proper consent. It's not valid. And mm -hmm. so back to your question as regards why is that that we get manipulated online? Well, mm -hmm. unfortunately, human beings are wired in on our cognitive biases. So that's why we work with two neuroscience experts at the agencies. They've shared their knowledge and basically cognitive biases are sometimes used to make decisions very quickly, intuitively, we might think. So it's efficient, it's quick, but we don't really, you know, put the necessary resources from a cognitive standpoint into, you know, thinking about it and solving the potential problem. And those cognitive, so we've got like 
180 different cognitive biases. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to, to dive into the issue. But what it does is that essentially because they make human behavior predictable, you know, you know that when faced, for example, with information overload, then the, the reflex of the brain, so to speak, is not to read. Right. So that explains blind signing, for example. And so because it is predictable, well, it also becomes manipulable. That's the issue. And that's why we don't notice them because, you know, they're made to trick us and it, it can be more or less, you know, difficult to spot. But there are studies by academic scholars which demonstrated that even when we spot dark patterns, I'm thinking about social proof, for example, or, mm -hmm. you know, countdown, scarcity message, they're pretty obvious to, to spot. But even when we manage to detect them, we are unable to resist them because then some other cognitive biases come into play, like FOMO. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and and we end up, you know, clicking and buying that hotel room because 45 people are looking at it at the same right. time, which is a bit silly, actually. Last two rooms available, last two rooms left, those things. Yeah, exactly. The one thing that I've seen, like, for a long time now is, like, get 25% discount, then there's a yes or no thanks, I don't want to save money or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. This is confirmed shaming. And, yeah. 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 This is, this is, you know, designed and drafted to make you feel bad not mm -hmm. to buy. And this is really toying with our emotions. And it, yeah, this is clear manipulation. And, and, you know, it's not just that it's harmful in terms of, you know, our budget or our control of our privacy. It also, it's been shown by the Commission rate, they raise anxiety mm -hmm. as if we didn't have enough reasons <laughs> to be anxious. Right. Far reaching, both at individual level and also at struck rightly, regulators around the world are now really tackling the issue and they're clearly illicit, not just when they relate to privacy, but also just from a consumer protection standpoint. Okay. And you mentioned that CCPA was one of the governance bodies that have cited what the dark patterns are illegal. So are you yeah, saying- Yeah, it's the CPRA actually. CPRA. So yeah. does that mean that website owners can be penalized if they're proven that they're employing dark patterns? Oh, absolutely. And not just because of CPRA. I gave this example because, you know, it's related to privacy and we were talking about that, but completely prohibited by, you know, very simply Section 5 of the Federal Trade Act, the FTC Act, which dates back to <laughs> decades. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, for example, the FTC imposed a record fine on Epic Games. You're probably familiar with Fortnite. Yeah. And actually, there, there were dark patterns on Fortnite, both in terms of in-game assets, but also mm -hmm. when people tried to cancel what they had purchased as they were playing. Mm 
And so because of these dark patterns, the FTC launched a, a legal proceeding, which ended up in a settlement. And there was both a penalty imposed and a reimbursement obligation imposed. And overall, the total amount was $520 million for Epic Games. And that's, you know, even without legal fees and <laughs> the, the impact on their business. Right. Okay. So definitely it's good to know that they're more proactive fees that are covering now. Maybe dark patterns is just recently cited as, you know, a definition for that practice, but it's been going on for a while now. Do you think as users, do you think we should also have that responsibility to be more aware and to report this misleading practices if we spot them? it's important to know how to report them if you see some <laughs> it's important to you know regain your autonomy online it doesn't have to be this way uh, mm -hmm. it's not normal <laughs> it's not there are two of reporting them at least uh, so Harry Brignall, the UX designer and PhD in uh, neuro cognitive neurosciences, who coined the term dark patterns, now runs a site that he he, he changed the name to deceptivepatterns.org. Mm -hmm. And so on his website, you can report any dark pattern to his hall of shame. And there's, unfortunately, there are plenty, plenty of examples. And then I also know that I think it's Stanford, which created a tip line dark pattern tip line uh, and so yes i definitely encourage anyone spotting dark patterns to report them and also you know you could report them to your <laughs> regulator so whether you're in the us report them to the ftc or your local dpa if you're in europe and it, it's also a matter of consumer law so yeah there are many regulators who are actually very interested in and who are enforcing against dark patterns that's great. And we will definitely share those links at the description so you guys can have a look. DeceptivePatterns.org and some others. Okay, so maybe as marketers, can we get your advice? How can we move? Because sometimes maybe, you know how marketing is sometimes you copy your competitors just because you think that that's effective for them. Okay. So what would your advice be? How can marketers be more accountable for this? How can we move from dark to fair patterns? Yeah, great question. The first thing is to realize that it doesn't have to be this way. It's not because some companies hijacked the web and, and took that route that the digital in itself has to be manipulative. And and. Based on that, from a very practical standpoint, you can ask yourself, you know, as you're building the purchasing funnels or the subscription funnels, you know, is it as easy to purchase than it is to cancel? You know, if it takes just one click to subscribe, uh, then, and, and, it, and it takes at least five clicks or even a phone call or an email to unsubscribe, then definitely you have an issue. <laughs> you know, does it take more clicks to reject all cookies than it does to accept all cookies? You know, try to have those very, very simple, very practical questions that you ask yourself and you, you then fairly easily realize that there is something not entirely right in the interfaces. Now, the real question is, once you've realized that, how do you switch to fair patterns? We've been working for the past five years, actually, in creating 
interfaces that empower users to really understand and to make autonomous choices. So based on that experience and our R&D lab, we actually developed a set of what we call fair patterns with a criteria grid, you know, what makes a fair pattern. For example, it's the granularity of choice and ensuring that if there is an acceptable button, there is a rejectable button. It's also ensuring control. So it could be a privacy dashboard, for example. It's plain language. Again, it's completely possible to translate legalese into plain language without altering the meaning. So yes, it's completely possible. And, and also I might add, it is desirable, even from a cynical business point of view. <laughs> We're working with economists, uh, especially at Oxera, which is an economist consultancy. And there are economic incentives for businesses to switch to fairness by design. You know, it's not just about complying with the law. Um, it signals higher quality. It might enable you also to better price your services or products because it is fair, it is respectful. And of course, you know, over the, the, the mid and, and long term, it reinforces the value of your brand because people re realize that, yeah, you actually respect them. And you can trust you can they can trust your brand because there is that mutual respect we can collect your data but here here are your rights here here are things that you will get after that data exchange here's the value that we can offer you and i think that's what matters because as users we want personalized experiences anyway so like for me i'm willing to share my data as long as it's clear what i'm going to get out of it and I was nodding earlier and laughing because there are so many times where I've tried to subscribe and then when it's time to cancel, I have to look into like five hidden pages just to find the way to cancel. Or, you know, that funny thing where you try to unsubscribe to an email and then you have to, after clicking that unsubscribe button, you have to send them another email to say, I really want to unsubscribe from your email list i know like are you it's sure crazy. <laughs> are you sure you want to leave it forever yes <laughs> yeah. absolutely and i wanted to also share to our listeners that you have to go to fairpatterns.com I, I think that's the correct url because you've shared so many good yes. examples there of both dark patterns and how it can be um designed in a way where it's fair to the user where it's clear it's there are many options for the users, so definitely check that out. Before we wrap up this episode, Marie, there's there one actionable tip that you can share to, you know, website owners and marketers so that after listening to the podcast, they can change it right away, like the practices, or maybe should they do an audit of some sort to their website? Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of audit, you can run, you know, just a couple of questions on the most critical user journeys. So, for example, the, the signing, privacy settings, and unsubscription, for example. <laughs> and uh, you can just ask yourself, for example, you know, is, it a, is, is there a recurring paid subscription presented as a free trial that is then difficult to cancel? Are privacy invasive options set as defaults, for example, geolocation or, or sharing of contacts? 
are paid for options or additional services not not clearly identified as optional so we've got a, a long list of questions like this but you know just start with these questions and then definitely try to switch to something that's that's just respectful of users you know are all the choices and options presented equally for example that would be a, a very actionable tip Absolutely. And definitely check out fairpatterns.com. We will leave all the description, all the links on the description below. Where do you have anything to promote, Marie? And where can people connect with you? <laughs> so I'm easy to find. <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn. I um Actually, yeah, you can go to fairpatterns.com. There, there are tons of resources. We really try to share and raise awareness. So we also share events and webinars or conferences. So yeah, do reach out. We love to share views and thoughts. You know, if you don't agree, for example, you think that, yeah, manipulation <laughs> is the way forward. We, we love to debate. So do reach out and uh, let's continue the conversation. Awesome. Well, Marie, I appreciate your time today. Thank you for enlightening us about dark patterns and proving that the use of fair patterns is achievable. I really enjoyed our conversation. And to everyone, if you found value in this episode, definitely connect with Marie and subscribe to the podcast. I'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to No Hacks Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you can leave a rating on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Visit nohacksmarketing.com to subscribe.